Next on BYU Sports Nation, some major West Coast Conference catering, all meant to keep the league together. Will the big dogs stay in the WCC? Offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes on the BYU football playbook and the quarterback battle. Plus another position change for BYU football between the lines March Mania ping pong and is Yoli Childs leaving BYU basketball to go pro? Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live once again. Your day-to-day play-by-play. Hanging out in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tuesday, March 27th, wherever and however you are dialed in. Great to have you with us alongside West Coast Conference bracket designer, Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton. The West Coast Conference bracket's going to be quite complicated, not this year, but the next year. And we'll get to that in a minute. But, hey, Gonzaga, did you get everything you wanted? There's a lot of stuff there, man. <laughs> Will the big dogs stay? Are there any other dogs in the league? They're just the dogs, right? But they are the big dogs. Let's be honest. Yes. And who let the dogs out? Hopefully not the West Coast Conference. Oh, well played. Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. West Coast Conference catering. The WCC has announced some significant changes to the regular season scheduling format. WCC tournament seating and bracketing, non-conference scheduling requirements, and financial distribution in regard to TV contracts, postseason play, and academics. I told you, there's a lot there. To summarize, Jerem, Beginning next season, each WCC team will play a total of 16 regular season games instead of 18. The top two seeds in the regular season will have a bye to the semifinals of the WCC tournament. Or what is it called, Jerem? The Gonzaga Invitational. And that's not until 2019. The 16 West Coast Conference games this season, the WCC tournament adjustment the next season, 2019. Also in 2019, every WCC team will be required to compete in a non-conference multi-team event, or MTE. And I'm speculating on this last one, but I believe the most successful teams in postseason play will be granted a significantly larger portion of money in revenue sharing. We don't exactly know how much. Jerem, what do you like and dislike about the new WCC scheduling agreement? I think I like the regular season setup. Dave Rose told us on the day after selection Sunday uh, that this was coming. Um, One issue with it is that BYU won't necessarily play both Gonzaga and St. Mary's twice in a given year, per se. There's going to be an opponent or two that you only play once. Now, it's going to be a bummer to only play the Zags once at some point in the future, right? Um, Assuming they stay in the league uh that but it's a it's meant to help your rpi so now there's two more non-conference opportunities for everybody so randy bennett congrats you can leave the state of california now in non-conference play if you want then there's the west coast conference tournament if you are uh the top two seeds you just come in in the semis if you're the top four three and if you're three and four you come in in the quarters this is how it was do you like it not really i no I don't think it's fair to everybody. I think it's unfairly good to the top seeds. Now, this isn't a 16-team league or whatever, 
like the or a 14 team league like the Big 10 where you have to scatter who comes in when other than 7 through 10 i think it's too advantageous for the top 2 now however however if you're BYU and you're trying to get in the West Coast Conference Championship game and just make it interesting, yeah, it's awesome. As a basketball fan, no, nah, I don't like it as much. As a, as a consumer of BYU wanting them to succeed, I think it's advantageous for BYU. Yeah, to put it simply, if you're a 7-10 to 10 seed, you have to win four games to win the West Coast Conference Tournament. In five days. Four games! They're not going to play on Sunday, obviously. Whereas if you are a 1 or 2 seed... You're in the semis, which means two wins and you get the auto bid. Or in the case of BYU, one win and you're as far as you hoped to go, probably, <laughs> right? Like, you get to that title game and see what happens. At John Rothstein of ESPN said, smart move here by the West Coast Conference. So a national voice that sees the picture that we do, catering to Gonzaga, making it hard for the Cougars to leave. Okay, I like yeah, it. Yeah, Cougars ain't leaving the Zags. Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. the Zags to leave. Someone's like, the Cougars are leaving! No, 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 not the Cougars. Yeah. The Zags. In the final paragraph of the release of all this information was the following. Passed in the fall by the President's Council. This happened in the fall, or is it just coming out? The Men's Basketball Enhancement Plan also includes changes to NCAA academic-based revenue distribution. I don't know what that means. Men's Basketball Unit Revenue Distribution. That's NCAA tournament units, as we've talked about as well as an adjustment to the licensing of future conference broadcast rights. Spencer, is the last paragraph in the release regarding finances the most important one? Hard to know if it's the most important because we don't know the specific numbers, and I don't know that we ever will, dealing with private institutions and the money involved there. To me, the most important thing is Gonzaga is getting everything they want. Everything! Fewer conference games, protection in the WCC tournament, and more money. They've earned the right to make some requests and demands, and they're getting them. So finances are a major part of that, but the fact is they're getting everything they want, and I think that's most important to keep the integrity of the league intact. Yeah, they're getting everything it it seems that they would want. They didn't need an easier path to the West Coast Conference Tournament. They've been winning it anyways. Like, that's, I don't know why that changed, frankly. But the unit revenue distribution, certainly they deserve more than they've been getting. It's unfair to split it evenly. Why should Pepperdine get the same amount as Gonzaga? That's just dumb. And the, the part that is interesting is that last part, the licensing of future conference broadcast rights. Does this mean that uh, Gonzaga could have its own separate TV situation or deal a la Boise State? Sure, why West, not? Which BYU wanted in the Mountain West and had the Mountain West given BYU that, the Cougars probably would have stayed in the league. In fact, there was a point where I was like, can BYU TV just do the games that aren't being there? Can BYU TV do a rebroadcast? And the answer was no. And sometimes it's that simple. Gonzaga could possibly have their own side TV deal, and that would be extra revenue. We'll see. Now to the all-important decision for the Zags with rumors circulating about a potential defection to the Mountain West Conference. Jerem, considering the revamped scheduling in the regular season, postseason reformatting in the WCC tournament, NCAA tournament money distribution, and potential side TV deals. Is all of this enough to keep Gonzaga in the West Coast Conference? I would think so. What else do they want? What else do they want? If they go to the Mountain West I Conference, don't know, but if they, say they it, are just probably bored and done with this league. If they ask for something else, they'll probably get it. Why wouldn't you if you're the West Coast Conference? Well, what else would they They're want? They're the cash cow. 
Don't let it get away. What, do they want a host attorney in Spokane? Too? Like, they don't want that. They like going to Vegas. I don't know what else you could give Gonzaga to keep them. The leverage that Gonzaga has earned has turned into new policy, scheduling, distribution, and revenue. Gonzaga wants more money, and they want to come out of a league that is more competitive. And the league is making an aggressive effort to make this, on an annual basis, a multi-bid league in the NCAA tournament. I think it helps the league. It helps Gonzaga the most. Sure. What other team in any conference, in any sport, besides UConn, UConn women's hoops, has the leverage that Gonzaga has in this league? It is a powerful, powerful entity. Texas has a hole in the Big 12, probably comparable. But I don't think North Carolina could do the same thing. Duke would be like, uh, no. There's not a second team that sits atop the throne of this league in the same way that Gonzaga does in the West Coast Conference. Wichita State left their league, went to another one. Like, lots of teams have left. The fact that Gonzaga got this done tells you everything about what I've been saying for years. Mark Few is the acting commissioner of this league. And Gonzaga runs the tourney. The West Coast Conference catered, and it was in their best interest to do so. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not shocked by that at all. This is enough for Gonzaga to stay. In fact, I will be shocked if they actually consider, at this point, still leaving for the Mountain West. It's not going to be a better situation for the school overall in the Mountain West. They have everything they want, or so it would seem. Now, does Gonzaga have to declare, we're satisfied? Like, how's that going to work? (laughs) <laughs> will, will they will they say we're good we're we're not leaving or, I or do they not say satisfaction yeah they don't say anything so we're good we'll see the Salt Lake Tribune is reporting Yoli Childs will enter his name into the NBA draft but not hire an agent thus leaving the door open to return to BYU if he wants Childs said I would like to thank BYU Coach Rose and everybody there who has helped me through two years so much he said. I'm excited about this opportunity, and I look forward to going through the pre-draft process. Spencer, will Yoli Child stay or leave? If the money is right and the feedback is good, he's going pro. I don't know if that's this year or next, but I would lean toward Yoli Childs playing one more season with BYU. Every player has a financial number they're looking for, and the feedback that corresponds with that. So it will come down to that. By the way, this is not a surprise to the BYU coaches. I guarantee they expected this and are on board to support Yoli as he tests the waters. He would be foolish not to do so. It is in his best interest to go out there and see what is available and who is biting and who is looking. But I think he'll be at BYU one more year. But why not? Go see. This will be a good experience for him either way so that he can get a grasp of what he wants to do. When I believe next year he is a legitimate NBA draft prospect. I don't think the number and the feedback will be what he is capable of getting if he stays another year. If a guy uh, doesn't get a first-round guarantee but leaves, that means he just wants to leave. Like Eric Mika just wanted to leave. But the Eric Mika situation makes me more cognizant of the possibility of a guy like Yoli Childs leaving than I did before. I had no thought as to Eric Mika leaving last year. That didn't even cross my mind. I was like, oh, Tess Water is probably not a draft pick. Maybe second round. We'll see. He wanted to leave. He just wanted to leave. And the fact that he served his mission in Italy, the fact that his wife served his mission, her mission there as well, that influenced that quite a bit. But here's Yoli Childs. Now, 
He made seven of his last 11 threes and proved his three-point at a 31%. A big stage. That, that helped him. That helped him, right? I, I think Yoli Childs is staying, and I'm with you. He's here at least another year, and then we'll see where he's at. But he's going to play pro ball, whether that's in the NBA or not. If he can get his uh, three-pointer up to the high 30s, a little more consistent, now we're talking about an NBA draft pick. He's a smart dude. He wants to play in the NBA. The goal is the NBA. As is for most basketball players. And if right. it's not late first round or early second round, I don't I just don't see him taking, you know, a jump. If you don't early. get a guaranteed first round contract and you leave, you just want to leave. You just don't want to be here. Yeah, and I just I don't see Yoli Childs in that same mentality as Eric Mika. It's different. Like had Yoli Childs served a mission in a certain country where he yeah, wanted to play basketball. It's different. It's different. Uh, yes. Yeah. On the BYU football beat. Spring practice number 10 produced news of another notable position change. Head coach Kalani Satake announcing yesterday that Austin Kofensis is making a permanent position change. Until it changes. To the defensive side of the ball as a safety. Not a quarterback, not a wide receiver, not a running back. He's now a defender. And it was his idea, head coach Kalani Satake, on what the move means for the team. I think he's done a great job there. I think defensively the coaches are really excited about that move. And so it gives us a little bit more um, freedom in the, uh, with, the, with the defensive group. But then also he still has knowledge of the offensive stuff, so I, th- I think there's a chance if they need him that he's always available. Added to a growing list of position changes for BYU football, there have been many. Kofensis from running back to safety joins Diane Gawoliku and Troy Warner, both moving from cornerback back to safety. Sione Takitaki from defensive end, back to linebacker. Zane Anderson from safety, up to linebacker. Which football position change, Jerem, will have the greatest impact on the upcoming 2018 BYU football season? Sione Takitaki moving from defensive line to linebacker. Linebacker is his natural position. He was an undersized defensive end. BYU was trying something unique. Um, he was out of position on the line in a, in a lot of games. I think he'll have a bigger impact for BYU. In fact, I think Sione Takitaki will be BYU's most effective, best linebacker. That doesn't necessarily mean the most tackles, but I think he's the best playmaker that BYU will have on defense, period. I have a 1A and a 1B. My 1A is Sione Takitaki, and that goes off of what Elisa Tuiaki told us. We moved him back to linebacker, and it's like he's been playing the position his entire life. He's well, he fluid. was a linebacker a couple years ago. He's successful. It's where he was meant to be. When the defensive coordinator is giving you that type of verbal confirmation, you know it's a good move. So, yeah, he's my 1A. My 1B is based on something that not only have I heard from Elias Tuiaki, but what Matt Bushman said about Diane Gawoliku. He said, when I am playing against Diane, he is the hardest defender for me to go up against in the secondary. Like It's hard for me to get past him and make plays against him. That's BYU's maybe best offensive weapon catching the ball. Diane kind of feels like that ball hawk mentality that Kainakua has. Okay, he... He knows a lot. He's very cerebral. He knows a lot of different football positions. He was great at several positions in high school. He's my 1B. You know, if, if he is finding success against Bushman and the best offensive players that BYU has, I think he has, you know, a bright future for the Cougars. But who's better, Diane Lake or Diane Gunwoloku? Uh, I, I thought mean, Diane Lake was pretty good. Well, the artist formerly known, formerly formerly known, known. as Diane Lake. Yeah, formerly known. Is, that's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> Our question of the day. Back to basketball. 
What do you like or dislike about the changes in the West Coast Conference Hoops scheduling rules at Twiggy or Stone? Tweets in. I like it. Trying to make the conference play a bit tougher schedule is good for everyone. It will depend on who BYU only plays once. Do they protect the top three and make sure they always play each other? For the first couple years, maybe. He continues, I think they still need four St. Zaga games a year. And I think that'll happen, as you mentioned, Jerem, early. What's Randy Bennett's reaction to all this today? Coming up, former Cougar Travis Tuiloma joins us. Coming up on Pro Day, plus we go two-on-one with new BYU offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes. Who are the major influencers on his new BYU playbook? BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. The BYU baseball team has won three of four, and tonight makes the 4.3-mile trek across town to Utah Valley University to play the Wolverines at 8 Eastern. Listen to it on BYU Radio. They literally could walk to the game. That's, I don't want to walk four miles, though. Like, you know. Just saying they could. I barely want to run in basketball. Yeah they, yeah, they could. You know, what, you know what I love about Utah Valley? You can watch walk indoors in the entire campus. You don't have to go outside at any point. Which is fantastic for months October to April. Yeah. The other months, not as awesome. But it's great. I love that. With that, we welcome you back on a very cold morning in Provo, Utah, to BYU Sports Nation, simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Conversation happening right now on social media. Follow us on Twitter at BYU Sports Nation. Use the hashtag BYUSN. Our question of the day, what do you like or dislike about the changes in the WCC Hoops scheduling rules. I think it's an aggressive effort to make the West Coast Conference a multi-bid league, which I like. There's no reason for a 28-win team like St. Mary's to be left out other than not scheduling tough enough, and that addresses this. Yeah, you have to schedule tougher, and this uh, provides two more games for uh, Randy Bennett and Dave Rose to do so. And you hope that other teams emerge and get better and get into the NIT. And, and the NCAA tournament in the future. Why not? At Ames Flames. The changes were necessary due to the RPI within our conference. We need more opportunities to play more teams with a higher RPI since that seems to be the way to get into the NCAA tournament. Yes. Calculated move, and it's aggressive. I want to clarify something uh, that I mentioned. So the, all these changes, uh, these, the tournament is for next year. It's okay. not the next year. Yes, yeah. yeah, I thought it was. Yeah. I was confused by that. So, yeah, 7-10 and 5-6 and 3-4 and 1-2 coming to different. That is next season. But in 2019 and 20, every team has to participate in a non-conference tournament or a multi-team event, MTE as they call it. Uh, and then these guarantee games where you get paid to play somebody else, those, got, those have to be approved as well. And you have to play. Looks like you have to play. You might have to play one. All right. So yeah, next se- like this next season. Changes Boom. ahead for West Coast Conference basketball. Changes have been made for BYU football already, particularly with the offensive staff. BYU football all access two on one with Jeff Grimes. Who are the major influencers in his playbook for the Cougars? That's just one little tip of the iceberg. Enjoy the interview. Coach, at this point of spring football. How would you rate your offense and where you want it to be in the progression? Um, 
not quite where I'd like for it to be in terms of execution. Um, we're about we're about on track in terms of what we've been able to install to this point. We've probably got about 80% of the offense installed, and so I, I'm pleased with that. Um, we just got to execute better. Um, I couldn't be more pleased with the energy, effort, and willingness to be coached and to go hard and, and to be physical. The guys are doing everything that we're asking in, in that respect. What we have to do is we got to clean things up and do it all a little bit better. Little things, everything from our splits and our alignment to getting off on the right snap count, center quarterback exchange, no fumbles, routes being run at exactly 12 instead of 11, all those little things we need to clean up. Perhaps it's happened before you even got here, but when did it set in on the OC? Um, I don't know that it still has. <laughs> I, I still kind of feel like the same guy. I find myself working with the offensive line a lot of the time. Um, other than on the on the days that it's time to actually call plays, I'm the guy who's actually saying it. But really, what we what we do um, as an offensive staff, the, the play called is a collective effort, and I got a great staff, and those guys are doing a great job. So I feel like we do this thing together. You brought up some brought up very some small things, very small you, things are, you are disciplining on and you're looking at uh, on a day-to-day basis. What's your pet peeve as an offensive coordinator when you see something happen on the field? Um, anytime uh, we don't do something that's, that's really simple the right way. So it could be um, we don't break the huddle the right way. Um, or a guy's kind of lackadaisical in how he finishes a drill. Or... Um, a guy finishes finishes a play and just kind of walks back and saunters back instead of running back to join his teammates and celebrate with them after making a play. It's those little things that take absolutely no talent to do the right way that bother me the How most. How do you address that? Um, we have a close and intimate conversation about it usually, <laughs> and, and it normally results in them not being on the field the next play. What are, on the flip side, what are some indicators of success for you? Because you can see your team against the defense, but maybe that's not the ultimate indicator. Well, I think, I think right now the, the biggest indicator for me that, that we'll have an opportunity for success is the energy and the passion that these guys exhibit every day. I mean, I think they genuinely love football. I think they're hungry to be coached and to be successful, and they're willing to do almost anything we ask them to do as coaches. And so the challenge for us is to make sure that we're asking enough of them and that we're being demanding enough rather than uh, being too hard on them. I think they could take whatever we give them. What's been the biggest surprise, the biggest for, surprise you? for you in spring football? Maybe a, in a, a pleasant surprise, if you will. Um, I don't know if there's any one thing that jumps out to me as a surprise. Um, I mean, having been here before, I kind of know what to expect in terms of the type of players that we have and um, and their character. So not, nothing's really surprised me uh, to this point. It's been about what I expected. How's the quarterback uh, group developing uh, from what you see? I would say they've made a lot of progress this spring. Um, uh, our, our scrimmage on Friday wasn't our best day. Um, and I think, I think they were pressing a little bit like a lot of other guys were at other positions as well. And that showed. I think they got outside of the system a little bit. 
and we're trying to make plays a little too much instead of just take plays and just take what's given and play within the system. The system works. It's been proven for a long time. Um, what they got to do is stay within the system and give it a chance to make plays for them. And I think they pressed a little bit Friday, but they came out today and did better. And I'm sure they'll learn from it and, and move ahead. But I'm pleased with the overall progress of the group. Um, Coach Roderick's doing a tremendous job, and I sit in on his meetings a lot. And, and the knowledge that they're getting from him is is top of the top of uh, what they could expect anywhere in the country. How much can you tell us about your system right now at BYU? Um, it's a good one. <laughs> I, I, I think the things that we've talked about a lot, I think, uh, have shown up, and people have remarked on that. We're going to be multiple. Yeah, I keep hearing that word, of, multiple. In terms of personnel groups, we're going to play with a lot of different guys. Um, and, and on any particular Saturday, if it gives us a better chance to win the game by playing with 11 personnel on the field, so you got three wides, one back, one tight end, then we can do that. Uh, but if it gives us a better opportunity to win, to play more snaps in 21 or 12 or 22, we can do that too. And I think that's one of our strengths is that we have versatile athletes at various positions. And so we can play with two tailbacks in the game at the same time. We can play with a fullback in the game. We can play with two tight ends or we can play with no tight ends and four wideouts. And we've done all of that to some extent. Um, and so right now we're just trying to really push everybody to get better. And as the season draws closer, we'll, we'll have an idea about which are our best position groups. But I think what we're trying to do is find roles for guys. And, and uh, I think that's a real uh, a strength for us. You've been a lot of places with a lot of success. Who or what uh, have gone into the influencers in the way you've shaped the playbook? Wow. Uh, a little bit of everything, everywhere that I've been, really. Um, all the way back to I was a high school coach, uh, my first two years coaching in El Paso, Texas, and worked for a guy named Tom Work, who was a really good offensive coach and was the head coach. And I learned a lot about, about offensive football from him. And then I worked for guys like Dirk Cutter, and I played for Andy Reid. And um, all of those guys have something to do with, with who I am as a coach in terms of, of football and the system. A lot of what uh, of what we do is drawn from my time with Coach Cutter at Boise State and Arizona State. Um, that was where I kind of cut my teeth as a Division One coach. Um, but some of the elements in the gun and some of the stuff where we're a little bit more spread out draws on my time at Auburn with Malzahn and then a lot of stuff um, uh, from my time at LSU as well, particularly last year with Matt Canada. And so there's been a lot of influencers along the way. Mark Helfrich and I worked together at three different places, <laughs> um, and he's a great offensive mind and, and have spent a lot of time talking to him. Actually, I've been on the phone with him a couple times this spring, talked to him about some of the stuff that they're doing with the Bears now. So there, there are a lot of guys that I've had the um, – the the opportunity to rub shoulders with and all of them are a little bit of who i am i think that's a lot of information to go through and a lot of experience so how do you question yeah how do you take the uh playbook from ten thousand pages of experience down to you know the the narrow margin that you you want to have for your team well i think so i've taken what i like best um from each of those systems and then um gleaned information from the other guys on our staff and 
We've got a very knowledgeable staff, as I alluded to earlier, and all those guys have had input in what we're doing as well. And then we said, okay, of all this stuff, what makes the most sense for BYU? Because that's really what matters. What, what I know or what we did at LSU or Boise State or any other place really doesn't matter unless it fits here. And so in order to uh, maximize our talent and our skill set, we said, all right, what, what fits us? And, and we put together a system that, that I think does that. So the fit based on who you have, the personnel? Based on personnel, but not just personnel right now, but the type of personnel that BYU is going to have for a sustainable amount of time. When you look at the quarterback position battle and you see the different types of quarterbacks that you're dealing with, uh, what is it like to try and cater play calling to each of those specific individuals? Because they all have different skill sets. Yeah, at this point, I'm not trying to cater to them. I'm saying who can cater to me. (laughs) (laughs) I want a guy who's going to run our system and throw the ball on time and make plays. And if that guy does that, then I'll worry about catering to him a little bit later on. But all those guys right now have shown that they can run this type of system. And one guy might be able to run a little bit more than another. One guy might be a little better at quick game. Another guy might be a little bit better at some of the strong arm throws to the long side of the field. And we can we can do all of that stuff, and we'll lean one direction or the other um, once we figure out who our guy is going to be. Um, but we have a system, and we want to see who best fits that system first. Moving forward, I hope you have less close, intimate, personal conversations with your personnel coach. <laughs> <laughs> I do too, but we'll see. I imagine there will be a few more. You got it. Thanks so much. All right. Take care, guys. The offensive coordinator, Jeff Grimes, and I think the most exciting thing that I picked up from that interview is revisiting how many notable offensive personalities he has worked with through the years. He has been around some of the best of the best. Sir Cutter, Gus Malzahn, and company. Those are good influencers. He's been in the SEC for a long time. ACC, Big 12. He knows. He's been in BYU with John Beck, man. He knows what's up. How's it going to translate to the field? Coming up, Pro Day's Friday. Travis Tuiloma joins us coming up in studio. And it's round two of Between the Lines. Ping Pong March Mania Tournament. Survive in advance. Lauren Franca makes the rules. Saturday morning, we'll be live at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Spencer, if you didn't know, put it on your Franklin planner. With the special BYU Sports Nation, one hour prior to the start of LDS General Conference, we like to say that it's the pregame show for General Conference. Join us for an hour of inspiring, opinionated spoken words and some music, too, I suppose. Countdown to conference. Love five it. days away. Okay. We're doing that? Welcome no. back. Spencer Linton and <laughs> Jerem Jordan in Radio Vision Live on BYU Radio, National Simulcast on BYU TV. We are on demand anytime, anywhere. I got a fever, Jerem. Mm-hmm. And the only remedy is headlines. It's your BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU football spring practice rolling along. Bruce? Bruce Dickinson? Is that you? Official practice number 10 yesterday. Austin Kofensis moving from running back to safety. That the latest in a string of notable position changes. It was his idea. Head coach Kalani Satake says he likes the flexibility it gives his team on defense. We also spoke with offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes. Who are his major influences for the new BYU playbook? Download the podcast. Lots of new uh, news from the West Coast Conference men's hoops yesterday. Starting this season, there will be 16 league games instead of 18. Also in the conference tournament, more bias for higher seeds. Also revenue distribution being changed from NCAA tournament games as well as licensing of future conference broadcast rights. If you missed our conversation on the impact on the league, will Gonzaga stay? Download the podcast. It was earlier in the program. 
In an article released by the Salt Lake Tribune, BYU basketball sophomore forward Yoli Childs has stated he will put his name in the NBA draft pool. However, he will not hire an agent, leaving the option open to return to BYU. Not a surprise. We'll see what the future holds for BYU and Yoli Childs. Good luck to him in the process. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I would love for him to uh, return to BYU, but uh, good luck. Number 21 BYU is uh, gymnastics. Headed to the Salt Lake City NCAA Regional this Saturday uh, with number four, Utah. Number nine, Cal, whom BYU defeated earlier this season. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's on, April, it's on April 7th. It's actually uh, the next week, I believe. The number 16, Auburn, Stanford, and Southern Utah. The top two teams advance to the NCAA championships. Now, can, BYU is not going to beat Utah, but can they beat Cal? And Auburn. This is um, what Guard in, Young wanted. In this regional. He likes the fact that they don't have to travel a ton. They can sleep in their own beds and but make why? a short drive up to Salt You have budget for a hotel. Come on. I'm not saying they don't have the budget, but <laughs> it's just the comfort of it, right? Use the money. BYU knows the facility well, the apparatuses. like Apparati? I don't know. I was just thinking about Apparatuses? I, I opted to go with apparatuses. Hey. All part of the mayhem in March, right? Yes. Or in April, if you're gymnastics. Speaking of mayhem, we're switching it up with Between the Lines today. We would like Lauren Franca McLean to join us on the desk. What's up, Lauren? It is an honor. My friends, it is an honor. Thank you. Well, Never thought I'd be up here. Well, here your, your chair is higher than both of yes, us. Yes, so. well. A little uncomfortable. <laughs> we don't have regulation. Uncomfortable. <laughs> There's not chair regulation on this program very much. <laughs> Hey, athletes battling it out on the ping pong table, trying to make it to the finals. Jerem has been thoroughly teased with this because it's a month-long process. I don't like waiting a full week. It's like a, t- it's like a TV show. Like I watch one episode, and then the next week I watch the next one. Exactly. Shall we, Lauren, go between the lines? Let's go between the lines. Okay. BYU Sports Nation presents Between the Lines. Only four remain. Storm Fagata Tufuga versus Brendan Sander from the men's volleyball team. Two of the star outside hitters on the team go head-to-head. Also, Mary Lake from the women's volleyball team, our defensive specialist, faces off against Evan Troy from the men's basketball team, and he brought his own paddle. Needless to say, who's going to prevail? This is Mayhem in March. We are officially into the second round of Mayhem in March. Ping pong like you've never seen it before. Second round with Mary Lake and Evan Troy. Mary, how do you feel like you're going to do about Evan Troy, who in fact brought his own paddle to the tournament? I don't know. It's a little intimidating, but also got to humble him. So yeah. What's the game plan going in against Mary Lake? Win. Typical. I mean, uh, shouldn't be too difficult. <laughs> okay, here we go. Proceed. <laughs> Wow. Oh, this this is already Ooh, look at this. shaping up to be an incredible matchup. Wow. The Evan defense. Troy goes behind it's in the, the first defense. point. All right. Look at this. She is. She's a oh, defensive okay. specialist, but it is tied one. Every rally is one. intense. Ooh. Oh. Okay. It's tied up at five. Okay. Ooh. Okay. The run ends. She's a, you know, she apologized. Is that a, is that a lead for Evan Troy? <laughs> oh! 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 
the end of the table where you're tied up, my friend. <laughs> Three straight for Mary Lake to regain the lead. It is nine to eight for Mary Lacay. Both players extremely calculated. Oh. Game point. Will the one seed survive? Oh. She does! She does! She wins! I didn't want to take her in Evan, I'm have that a seat. Have a seat, my friend. I must say, that is one of the best <laughs> matches we have ever had on BYU TV, Ocho. Evan, was it more of a mental game than physical? Yeah, I, I would say so. She had me scrambling. You, you tell me, why are you the number one seed? I don't know. <laughs> Humility is one of Mary Lake's finer points and is why she continues to the final round. All right, we're on round two with Sornfa Agata and Brendan Sander. Being the underdog, what kind of motivation does that give you? I just got to play loose, bring everything I can. The underdog not expected to win, but I get to play loose. Brendan's been uh, sitting for quite a while, Storm, and it was about the rust for you last time. Are you going to take advantage of the perceived rust of Brendan Sander? I know he's really good, so yeah, let's play. Outside hitter against outside hitter. What is going to happen in this match? I predict that somebody will win. That's a great prediction. Now 3-1. Oh, he mixes it up with the tempo, and then goes cross court. And it pays off. Okay, Brendan Sander. Have a night, three straight. This is to have a 1-2 final. But you never know. Now Sander serving. And we are tied at eight. Nine, ten. Oh, tens. This is the first extra time match we've had. Good defense. Trying to survive. Oh! The higher seeds prevail. I got them. Have a seat, boys. Have a seat. How do you feel about going to the championship match? Happy. 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 Okay. All right. Okay, Brendan. I was happy to be here. We're good to go. Great matchup between you two. That was fun. Next week on Between the Lines, the number one seed Mary Lake versus number two seed Storm Faagata Tufuga in our Mayhem in March Ping Pong Tournament Finals. Don't miss it. Storm Faagata Tufuga, the man of very few words versus Mary Lake next week. We're going to be tweeting out the full versions of those matches throughout the week. So follow us on Twitter at BOU underscore BTL and use the hashtag BOUBTL. It's pretty chalky. One versus two. I feel like we're one big happy family up here. I just have to point that out. This feels great. Here we are. Thank you. Here we are. The fact that the higher seeds prevailed and we literally were like in the moment like, oh, let's make uh, Uh, Mary one. The one and two seeds are going to the championship. That is unreal. Her volleyball skills legitimately translate to defense and ping pong. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Because her lateral quickness and flexibility is good. What is it about volleyball players? Because all the volleyball players, except for McKenna Miller, my apologies, McKenna, but all of them went. They have a ping pong table in each of their respective hangout areas in the suite. I should mention that Gavin Fowler sent me a message complaining that he wasn't invited, saying, the best football player wasn't invited and, to and the so tournament. And so did Elijah Bryant and some guys from the baseball <laughs> team, so we might have to do this again. We might have to do it again. Coming up, Danny Ainge, one of the most influential players in NBA history, and Travis Tuiloma, BYU football, ready for pro day.
Between the Lines is brought to you by Tim Daly Nissan. Think Nissan. Think Tim Daly Southtown. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Friday, watch BYU Football Pro Day for the first time ever live on BYU TV. Listen on BYU Radio, 12 to 2 Eastern Time as Fred Warner, Jonah Trinneman, Travis Tuiloma, and company try and make it to the NFL. Yesterday, we saw some of those guys working out after practice. Check it out Friday. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan live from Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. Our daily rebroadcast airs weeknights on BYU TV starting promptly at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Our question of the day in regard to... West Coast Conference basketball. What do you like or dislike about the changes in the WCC Hoops scheduling rules? At B-Royal Blue Cook tweets in, I like that they are trying to reinvent the conference a little and improve the overall competitiveness. However, I don't think this will have much effect. Uh, I think it'll have a major effect if Gonzaga stays. That's, that's the point. That's the point. The other things are ancillary to that point, yeah. Joining us now in Studio B is former BYU defensive lineman, NFL hopeful, a man preparing for Pro Day at BYU this Friday, live on BYU TV, Travis Tuiloma. Travis, welcome back to What's Studio up, B. Thank you for having me back. You got it, man. We got, got a commercial in here with Travis. Yes, we time. did. Yes, <clears throat> we did. Back in 2016, I want to say. Yeah, that was a long time. Was it? It's been like a year and a half, man. <laughs> Has it been a long year and a half? You've been recovering from oh, it's, ACL. It's, it's been a long year and a half, man. Yeah. What has the last year and a half been like for you and uh, your recovery to full health? Um, basically, it consists of just trying to be patient with it, letting my body heal the right way, and, yeah, just training. Can you walk so. us through the injuries and what you had to overcome? Yeah, so well, my, my first injury was – 2015 um, against Utah during the the Vegas Bowl. So I had to recover from that. Going into 16, I still wasn't really as healthy as I wanted to be, but I you know tried to play because it was my last year. Was that a knee or a foot? Liz Frank. That was my foot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Liz Frank. Oh, she's the worst. Yeah. So I mean that, that's 100 percent now. And then just 2016, I had the ACL. So, pretty much just held me back another year. <laughs> so, <laughs> holy cow! And last year on Pro Day, you couldn't compete necessarily because you weren't fully healthy yeah. from October. So here we are in 2018, and you feeling healthy? You feeling good for Friday? Feeling great, ready. So what what's gone into your preparation for this Pro Day as you try and still live the dream and get to the NFL? Um, so as soon as I was ready to start training, getting back on my feet, my agent sent me out to Hawaii to, uh, chat EK with EK sports to kind of get my body back, back into shape, uh, and getting stronger. And then I was there till September, came back, just trained on the side for a little while here at, uh, uh, BYU. And then... Once January hit, I went down to Dave Strohshine with Strohformance. And, you know, both the both uh, performance places have really helped me get back into where I need to be. So, Travis Tuiloma with us, former BYU defensive lineman, getting ready for pro day, and his NFL dreams are being chased. 
uh, at BYU beginning on Friday. Now, what, what's the best advice you got from a former <coughs> teammate or coach as you prepare for pro day? Um, I had a, I can't remember who it was, but they told me to never, never let, um, dang, I can't, can't remember. <laughs> I guess it, it's kind of like le- never let a stone get unturned or something like that. Okay. Okay. So just, you know, it's just been hard, like waiting for so long, you know, you kind of get into that time where you're kind of, oh, maybe I should stop, but. Um, I was just encouraged by that, just to try, try at least try to, you know, pursue it and come what may, you know, once it's all said and done. And so, if you didn't do this, you'd probably regret it, right? You yeah. Have to at least try. Yeah. And, and and give us an idea of kind of the schedule and like the physical sacrifice to do this, because I imagine you're in the best shape you've ever been in. Yeah. Definitely. Right, right now. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. So. Lately, we've been going, um, uh, we have a 9 o'clock session and then a 1 o'clock session. And it's like that's, general conference this weekend. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that that's pretty much how it is every single day. It's just two sessions a day and just trying to get our bodies as prepared as possible. So, What are you ideally hoping to accomplish on Friday at Pro Day? Um, I, I really just want to, you know, let the, let scouts know that I'm back and I'm healthy again and I'm, I'm ready to, you know, show them what I've got. So what are your strengths in the, uh, pro day events? What do you think you'll, you'll do really well in? Uh, I'd say I'm pretty balanced in all the events. So good answer. Uh. (laughs) Okay. Yes. Do you have a goal on the bench? Um, 30. 30 reps. Yeah, that's, wow. that's the goal. Have you done 30? Not yet. What, what's but been your high? I can't say. You can't say. Yeah. We will have to see at Pro Day. Okay, I like this. Yeah. I like this. And, and it's going to be fun because <laughs> we're going to see this for the first time, right? Yeah. And there's, there's other guys there. It's an individual deal, but it's sort of a team deal in that you're rooting for your other teammates there too. Yeah. You've been to it before, right? Mm-hmm. What, what's, what's the dynamic like watching it versus maybe now you're going to participate in it? Um, yeah, what watching it is just, you know, you're just there trying to help the guys, you know, motivate them and push them to, to their limits and like, you know, participating, you know, it's going to be a bit of a physical challenge more so than a cheerleading challenge, I guess. <laughs> so yes, yeah, it'll be good. Travis, you're going to break five seconds in the 40. That's the goal. Oh, five, five would be good. That's the goal. Three on the bench. Wow. Awesome. I love it, man. Hey, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for Pro Day, man. Uh, man I'll take it. Take all that I can get. And we'll see you there Friday. All right. All right, brother. And you don't have to shave. That's amazing. I know. What's that like? It's kind of different. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Hey, thanks, Travis. All right. Thank you. Hey, coming up, how much do the Dallas Cowboys value Fred Warner? Ooh, a question for Jerry Jones. And does the announced West Coast Conference changes save the league from any defectors? This is BYU Sports Nation. I don't think this is Cuba. I'm pretty sure. But maybe. I don't know. Hashtag defectors. (laughs) BYU Sports Nation is brought to you in part by DexterLaw.com for help when you need it most.
Thanks to today's guest, BYU football offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes, Lauren McLean with Between the Lines, and NFL hopeful defensive lineman Travis Tuiloma. If you missed any of today's show, you can always download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Let us whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Football. Yesterday was practice 10 in the indoor practice facility. Head coach Kalani Stake said Austin Kofensis is now a safety. Bo Tanner is a cornerback. Not quarterback, cornerback. BYU Football Pro Day, Friday noon Eastern on BYU TV. Cougars in the NFL. DallasCowboys.com reporting Fred Warner would be a good fit for the team and a possible Cowboys draft pick. How about them, Cowboys? They project him as a solid day two pick or even a second round pick. Whoa. Men's basketball. Starting this season, there will be 16 league games in men's hoops instead of 18. Starting uh, in March as well, the conference tournament will feature more buys for higher seeds, revenue distribution being changed from NCAA tournament games, as well as licensing of future conference broadcast rights. Gonzaga, are you happy already? Hashtag the Gonzaga rules. You've heard of the Landale rules. Now we <laughs> have the Gonzaga rules. rules. In an article released by the Salt Lake Tribune, BYU basketball sophomore forward Yoli Childs states that he will put his name in the NBA draft pool, however, won't hire an agent, leaving the option open to return to BYU. Gymnastics. 21st-ranked BYU headed to the Salt Lake City NCAA Regional with number 4 Utah, number 9 Cal, whom BYU defeated earlier this season, number Mm -hmm. 16 Auburn, War Eagle, Stanford, and Southern Utah. The top two teams advance to the NCAA Championships. Volleyball. The Cougars remain number 2 in the ABCA Coaches Poll after a week off. BYU will host their final regular season home matches Thursday against Concordia Irvine and Saturday against Grand Canyon. The whole thing. Live on BYU TV with Jerem Jordan and Steve Vale, Lauren McClain on the call. Baseball. Batcats won three or four. They play at Utah Valley tonight, 8 Eastern on BYU Radio. Tennis. The Dudes defeated UNLV yesterday with the help of John Pierce winning both his singles and doubles matches. Golf. The ladies finished tied for 10th yesterday at the San Diego State March Mayhem. What? I thought we used that on between the lines in match play. The Cougars continue play today as they face off against Baylor in round robin play. Today's Rise and Chat brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Health. When you need the most, DexterLaw.com. It was to Mary Lake, who didn't credit me with the win last week, or this week, frankly. But she has moved to the championship match of March Mayhem in between the lines ping pong championship of the world. Mary Lake and the happy Storm Fagata Tufunga. That's quite the matchup, man. Next week on Between the Lines, the title game. I hope there's some epic music associated with that. What do you like or dislike about the changes in the West Coast Conference hoop scheduling rules? Our elite tweet of the day at Kiwi Jacqueline. Hooray! St. Mary's is going to be convinced that they should start scheduling more difficult. Hashtag don't hold your breath. Yeah, don't hold your breath. Shows on demand on BYUSN.com. Audio podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and the TuneIn app for Jeremiah Spencer. Shout out to Levi Madrietta. We'll see you tomorrow.